Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to the Tim Stodds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Service businesses have a real problem. They can only scale their business in proportion to the amount of time they can buy. If they sign new clients or get new customers, that means they need to be able to serve those clients, which means they need to hire more employees. If you are doing service work, there is only so much you can increase your prices before you hit a ceiling. So how do we scale a service business, such as a marketing agency? How do we free up our time while simultaneously increasing our profits? This is where Brian Cassell comes in. Brian is the founder of Audience Ops, which is a productized content agency that has found a great way to deliver high quality content to clients while scaling the business. Brian has taken the lessons he has learned from Audience Ops and created software products and education products to help other agency owners develop processes into their workflow so they can automate their business and make more money. I've been a fan of Brian's work since I first heard him on the Unemployable podcast a few years ago. Since then, I have enjoyed watching him build in public while he develops and ships his own products and continues to grow a significant business for himself. I had a great time talking to Brian. I know you will enjoy his insight. Please help me welcome Brian Cassell. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, Tim, thanks for uh, having me on. Absolutely. So you and I were just talking briefly before I hit hit record. Uh, We have a lot of common philosophies when it comes to managing service businesses, when it comes to scaling your time uh, to create better processes and better systems to make it so that an actual service business can be high profit and high revenue. And I'm really looking forward to having those conversations. Uh, before we get into that, I know a little bit of your story from, from Unemployable, from my partner Brian Clark's podcast, and I found it really, really fascinating. I always like to know a little bit about my guests and a little bit about the journey. So what I remember from it, um, you came up with this idea of systematizing services by building template, templated websites for restaurants I believe, I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think that that story is a really good place to open up because that's kind of the catalyst on how you got started. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I think I, I sort of like danced around the idea of productized services for a few years there before I fully even stumbled into like, oh, this is a thing and this is, what, this is what's awesome about service business. Because so the... I guess the brief backstory is I start. I come from a background as a freelance web designer, um, web developer, and and I did that as like a freelance consultant for a few years. Um, I started. I mean, I started at, at an agency, but then I went freelance in 2008, and from 2008 up until around 2011, 2012, that those were the years where I was really like freelancing full time, and. Um, and, and as those years went on, I started to feel a lot of the same like pains and frustrations with client work in general. Like I was, I was making a good enough income to pay the bills and stuff as a freelancer. I was always raising my rates and all that kind of stuff. But, but I still felt this ceiling like, 
is it just going to be me forever? Or even if I hire contractors, there's still a ceiling on, on that. Right. Um, so I, I, I felt those sorts, sorts of pains. I, I was reading the, the e-myth at, uh, book at the time and that really mm-hmm. resonated heavily with me, but I, but I still didn't take a lot of action on like actually growing my business to make it a more predictable like business and brand that I could actively market. I was still fully reliant on client referrals um, to, to get to like, you know, get the next sales, just clients referring new, new people to me. Um, and that, and then I launched restaurant engine, which was a website template. It, it was, so my goal there was really to build a SaaS business built on top of WordPress. Um, when I first started it and I started that business around 2011, the idea was, okay, I, I know a lot about WordPress. I know a lot about designing websites. Let me focus on one niche industry and make every, the, the, well, like my first thought was like, how can I make web design more predictable, more repeatable? Because before I was doing sites for universities and doctors and lawyers and all these different things. Um, so I was like, if I just focus on one niche and, and I know a thing or two about WordPress multi-site, maybe I can make it like a SaaS where any, anybody comes on and set, signs up their, sets up their own website. I invested all this time and effort and money into like, a whole automated system, this like fancy dashboard for restaurant owners to come and design their own websites with our templates. And, and then I quickly learned that they don't want to do that work. They just want the <laughs> website <laughs> done for them. Uh, so I started offering that for free. Like I would, I, it, it was sort of crazy. Cause like I was, most of my time I was doing these 20,000, $30,000 like client engagements for, for a simple website. But, but I was also trying to sell this $49 a month platform to restaurants. And I was going to these restaurants and, and uh, I'll set up your website for free. You know, just, just come on and become a subscriber on my platform. And, um, and I did that for a little while uh, just to, you know, claw up the ramp of, of SaaS to get those first subscribers. But then I started charging for that service to, to like manually set up their websites for them. Um, made it like an optional setup fee. And then eventually I realized, oh, all the best subscribers are the ones who pay the setup fee. So let's just make that required for everyone. And, and then eventually I, I hired a team to, to take care of the actual setting up of new, like onboarding new, new customers. Um, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, what I thought was supposed to be a SaaS turned into this productized service uh, kind of like a tech enabled service. Like we have a, a system that made setting up websites really quick and easy, but um, you know, we would set them up there. They become subscribers. And then we offered um, done for you updates. So if they want to swap out their photos or their menus or whatever, like our team would just do that for them. Um, and that, that worked well as a business. And, and what I learned was like, not only that they wanted the done for you service um, and, and clients really valued that, especially when it's like in a packaged, uh, predictable scope, but also that by focusing on one industry um, and solving one problem in one way, uh, that's actually a business that we could actively market and actively grow and actively sell, you know, um, rather than just relying on referrals. Yeah, amazing. I, you use the word, well, the phrase productized service a lot. And, uh, and I think about that because since I heard that original podcast, I think, I, I think we all 
kind of get the idea of systematizing a service, right? But nobody's actually really like labeled it and defined it because there's two extremes. You have SaaS, which means like, let's take a service and build software around it so that the work of 10 people can do what traditionally used to be like a hundred people, you know, like fresh books or something like that. And then there's the service, which is the complete opposite end of it. And then in the middle, there's almost this new emerging entrepreneurial lane where people have a service business, whether it's accounting, whether it's marketing, whether it's design, um, who knows, insert, insert here. And we figure out ways to actually scale it. And I, I can't think of a different way to say it other than productized service, but I still think there's something more there. Like I think there's this huge opportunity for freelancers and solopreneurs and people that want to get involved with the online space because where else are you going to go with the next 50 to 100 years, you know? But there's no way to actually label it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I started... Um... I, I don't I don't think that I was like the first one to call it that, but uh, I started you know really talking about that term somewhere mm -hmm. around 2013 and 2014, um, and I found that it really just using that term terminology for it, productized services, like that really resonated with people like me who mm -hmm. come from a background as a freelancer or a consultant or or agencies, um, because when you th I think by calling it a productized service, the what I think about like conceptually with it is, is that you're starting to actually treat your service business as if it were any other product, Yep. What, whether that's a SaaS product or like a product you buy off of Amazon or, or buy or some, something you pick off a shelf at a store. Like um, it, it really, it's, it's a change in mindset. Um, it's hard to actually change your mindset, especially if you come from, from a traditional service business. Mm -hmm. um, but the, there's so many benefits to it when you, when you just start to think about it that way, because like a lot of the pain that I, and frustration that I felt as a freelancer was like, oh, I, I need to um, create this project proposal for this new client. I'd spend a day on that. I'd do all these meetings just to just to figure out what their project, what their scope is, their requirements, do all these discovery meetings. Um, and maybe I would only win like 50% of those contracts if if that. Um, and then you're dealing with scope creep and you're doing doing dealing with like hours estimates and what if it goes over that and and all this different stuff. And it's like constantly like a negotiation back and forth. And it's a pain for for me as the service owner to to jump through all those hoops and write the proposal and all that. But it's also equally, if not more, a pain for the customer. For them, like they can't, they have a hard time hiring agencies and services and freelancers. We, st we still have, it's still frustrating to hire freelancers today because yeah. it's like, you're constantly wondering, well, how many hours this is really going to take them and are they, are they actually going to deliver what I ultimately, what my business ultimately needs at the end of the day? Like, I don't know. It seems like kind of risky. Am I going to waste a lot of time, a lot of money here? Um, and again, like there's that negotiation, like, okay, they're giving me these hour estimates. I, I got to start calculating what my final cost is. It, it's, it's just a, a mess. So if you start to think about it like a product, how do products sell themselves? They, they say, look, we solve this one problem and we solve it in this way and it costs this dollar amount. And it's ideal for, for this type of customer. Like 
if, if you experience this problem and we know our customers really well and we know that many of them do experience this problem, then for the customer, all they need to do is say like, oh yes, this is speaking to me. They know me. Mm. They, they're inside my head. They, clearly they've, they've worked with other customers who are just like me. Yes. It, 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 and, it, and then it boils down to like a yes or no proposition. It's not like, oh, how many hours, how, what the cost, how much time. It's just like, yep, you nailed it. You, you know me, let's do it. You know. Totally agree. So what would you say to the agency owner right now that really prides him or herself in the concept of customization and the concept of like nothing, no two websites, no two campaigns that we do are alike. We want to get to know you as a business and like the idiosyncratic things about your business. What's, I, I guess from my end, there's just the fear that the whole world is just going to be commoditized, you know, and there's something beautiful about custom work. What, what would you say there? Yeah. I mean, I love that question. First of all, there's, there's always going to be great agencies doing amazing high level, completely customized work, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's always a place for, for that. Um, but if your goal as an agency owner is to grow your business, meaning grow your team and your customer base and your revenue and, 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 and build more value into your business, like if you're ever going to sell your business someday, um, you know, at that point, you want to make your projects and your retainers much more predictable and you want them to look more, more alike to one another. But the, the caveat there is that the work itself does not have to be template or commodity or like every work can be original and still custom and even still very personalized. I mean, for example, like, okay, so restaurant engine that I worked on earlier that I sold that business in 2015. And then I started audience ops, which I continue to run today. It's going into six years now. Um, With audience ops, we do, it's a product, it's purely a productized service from start to finish. And we do blog content as a service. So a lot of, a lot of SaaS companies and software and plugin companies and stuff, they hire us to write blog content for them on, on a weekly basis. Every article that we write for customers is hundred percent original and unique. And we research every article and, and we work with a lot of different niche industries. So we're always covering different different subject matter. We're writing for different audiences. All of that is unique. No customer gets a template article, you know, ever. Um, but the way we produce articles is exactly the same every time. It goes through the same like four week production cycle from, from draft to copy editing, to set up in WordPress, to the way that our, to, to the, even to the way that our managers communicate with clients. We, they, they always deliver the article on a Monday. It always follows this email template and we deliver it with this link and we process uh, edit requests in a certain way. We onboard new customers in a certain way. It's always very predictable. So, so when a new customer comes to us and they say, oh, we, we want to, can we sign up now and have our first article by next week? I know it's a little bit faster than usual. I mean, our answer is no, because we have a production process and it follows a certain uh, time frame and, and everything. And, um, and, and so that's, you know, but, but then again, like they're still getting original content. I think it clicks for a lot of people when you talk about it in terms of seeing your service as a product. I mean, 
everybody knows Amazon, obviously. And when you buy a product on Amazon, you're buying it for one particular problem that you have to solve. And so it's not necessarily that, I guess, using that analogy, you know, like creating the product itself is still a custom process. Like the research that goes into figuring out exactly what problem this thing is developed to solve is still a custom process. It's just like, once you actually have what it is that you're delivering, getting all the little stumbling blocks and all the miscommunications out of the way to make it so that you can repeat the same thing every single time in a predictable manner. People, especially business owners, people that are spending money really, really like that. Totally, man. I, I love that process of, of designing the service, designing the process and the systems. I mean, that's that, I mean, my current product process kit, that's a SaaS product aimed at that. And, you know, the reason why I, I love that is because in the early years of building audience ops, uh, my service business, you know, I knew from day one, I do not want to be the one writing the articles for clients. Mm. I don't, I don't want to be in You're the trenches. That? Yeah. Like I, and, and like, I, I also didn't want to be like doing the client communication every day. I do a little bit of sales sometimes, but like, it's not, you know, so my goal was for my, my job in this business is to be the process designer, you know, um, and, and putting the, and, figuring out which roles do we need, do we need to hire for and putting those roles into the process and, and running it and continuously optimizing it and improving our processes. And I, I actually think about it a lot like uh, software development. Um, you know, the last few years I've been focused almost primarily on designing and building software like, like process kit. And so I, I, I always, I really treat designing software just like I did designing audience ops, the service. Cause it's like, you're literally writing processes. You're, you're kind of like programming your, your service business to run in a certain way. And there's a lot of like, if this, then that mm -hmm. logic that has to happen. And we, and we built a lot of that stuff into our processes. So it's like, if this is a WordPress uh, plugin company, then, then we need to uh, cover these bases when we're writing content for them versus if this is a service company, then we'll, we'll, we'll do these options instead, you know? Um, and so then, uh, then the processes and, and now process kit powers this where, where like our team, they just see that the checklist of what they need to do, it automatically adapts to the current situation with the, with the client. And, and then our writers and our content managers and our copy editors, they can just focus on what they do best, their talent, their writing, researching, you know, uh, communicating with clients. Like um, they don't need to, deal with all the other minutia that comes with like, like dealing with like a project management tool setting up to-do lists and all this stuff. Like it, the system takes care of that part. You know? Very cool. And perfect transition. You mentioned audience ops, you mentioned process kit. Uh, since I found you, um, I think you and I talked a few times over Twitter, but we've never really built like a relationship, but I, I follow your, your work in public mantra and you make me laugh a lot because oh, like, <laughs> forgive me, but like you don't, you never really knew how to code. And so when you're trying to figure out how to build uh, these, these pieces of software, like you're really just figuring it out, figuring it out as you go. One, I think that's really fun. Um, you know, there's this whole like ethos of just building in public right now, which I think is really cool getting to watch people uh, kind of figure their way out through solving their own problems. 
talk to me about the process of actually building these softwares from like, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I have this idea and <laughs> let me try to figure it out to the actual uh, business element of it that you stumbled upon. Yeah. So like in terms of learning to build software, um, I, I mean, it does tie back into my decision early on to, to really double down on and building productized services. Mm. And, and I'll tell and the reason for that is by building audience ops, um, it, really my goal in building audience ops since day one, so I started the business in 2015. My goal was to build a service that could run without me in the day to day. Nice. Um, and it, it took a good like two years or so to, to uh, like we grew sales pretty quickly, but it, but it still took about that time to fully remove me from like managing the day-to-day aspects of it and, and really um, honing in on, on how the processes should work and building the right team members and stuff like that. But, but by around 2017, I wasn't in the, in the day-to-day as much. Um, and, and I started uh, at that point, I actually started a different, like kind of a precursor SaaS to, to what is now process kit. And I hired, I outsourced the development. I, I designed the product, but I outsourced the coding, the, the backend development. Um, about 18 months of work on that and, and ran into some technical issues with it. Um, a little bit of product market fit issues as well. And I just got so frustrated with, um, which I've done many times, like where I outsourced the development. Cause I, I, up until that point, I was not a backend developer. I was a front end. Like I, for over a decade, I've been HTML, CSS, uh, a little bit of PHP and stuff, but like mostly front end designer. Uh, that's my core skill set. And then, um, and then I would always outsource the back end dev. Cost a lot of money. It, a lot of times it was frustrating because, of like, uh, you know, I couldn't fully communicate the, the back end architecture of a software. So I got a little bit frustrated with it by the end of that. Um, failed stab at, at building the SaaS in 2017. So I, so I, I stopped, I stepped back and I was like, okay, I have this business audience ops. It's a productized service. And at that point I'm completely removed. I mean, I literally spend like one hour max a week touching that business. Um, the, the team just sort of runs it. It's profitable. It's a, it's, it's a good fit for customers. Good fit for the team pays my bills. So the year of 2018, I decided I'm going to dedicate this whole year, like my full-time hours to make myself a full stack uh, software developer. Cause I, cause I already had the front end part. So, so, you know, when, when people look at this, like, like I started from nothing, I, I did understand development. I, I just was really much more focused on the front end. And I, and, but um, uh, I decided to go with Ruby on rails and learn that as my, framework of choice. Um, and I, that was because I, I was also looking at PHP and Laravel and I had a harder time picking that up, but Ruby on Rails just clicked with me. Mm. And, um, and I was able to learn it. I took several courses. I worked with a couple of coaches. I have other friends who are really experienced uh, Ruby devs. So they, they've helped me out a lot. And so th- throughout that year, 2018, I was literally spending like 40 hours a week um, doing courses, doing practice projects. Wow. And by the end of 2018, so probably around 10 or 11 months into that whole process of learning full-time hours, I launched my first like real product. Um, it was sort of a practice pro- product, but I actually launched it like a real thing. Um, 
called uh, Sunrise KPI. And um, uh, that, that was, it's still out there, but you know, it's very small. It doesn't get a lot of attention from me these days, but it's, it was my first, like, let me try to build a real thing and actually launch it. Cause that, that's the whole goal of this, of learning to code. So um, I, like, I wanted to have my numbers, my analytics numbers, my, uh, all these different metrics from different tools. I wanted them emailed to me every morning. And so I built a little tool to do that called it Sunrise KPI. Um, and then, and that, and building that gave me a lot more confident confidence. I learned a ton, just, just going through the whole process of building and actually launching a, a simple SaaS like that. And then I felt confident enough in 2019 to really sink my teeth into start starting to build a process kit. Um, and then since January, 2019, I've been working on process kit full time. Um, and, and then I guess it was around 2020, like January, like probably a year later, like, like January, 2020 is when I, I now hired a, a developer and I work directly with them day to day. I'm still very much on the product and, and coding a lot, but, um, it's a lot more enjoyable now, like to collaborate with a developer because together we get to. I, we could design the architecture inside and out and I, I could actually speak the language now. So it's, it's a lot better. Very cool. There's few things more important than having a developer that you actually can communicate with. I think anybody that has taken that entrepreneurial risk of like investing in something because, because that's the difference, right? I think there's a really cool sort of juxtaposition between the two. And I, I write about it a lot. Whereas the less scale something has, then the lower barrier to entry it is, right? So if you want to start an agency, you basically get your first client and it might not be high dollar, but like you're more or less a profitable business and like you're in business, you're doing 100%. it, right? But if you want to build, um, so for instance, we have a, a whole slew of lead generation websites and 10 years into it, it's probably like a half a million dollars of investment not all at once, obviously, but in, in any kind of model like that, you got to put the money up up front. And a lot of times you're doing it with a developer who, you know, sounds like a nice person and you kind of get along, but you never really know if the two of you are going to click. And let me tell you, like the lessons that you learn when you take a risk on a developer that you think understands what you're talking about and he or she thinks that you understand what they're talking about. And then three months into it, it's just not working like, man. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I, I definitely experienced that pain, <laughs> you know, firsthand. And it, it's the kind of thing that like, it could be going well for a whole year. And yep. then, and then you, you update Vue.js one to Vue.js two and it, and it breaks everything. And now you're looking at like rebuilding everything. So, um, yeah, I'm speaking from experience on that one. <laughs> but the, um, but you know, it's not only if you're building a software product, like a SaaS it's not only the time of just building it, but it's also the time of growing a customer base to make it a viable business, yep. you know? Um, and that's, that's all, again, tying it back to productized services. That's the only, that's my uh, process kit is, is bootstrapped and self-funded. The only way that that works for me is, is by having the productized service fund all of my time and my, and the money to invest in hiring developer and, and marketers and stuff. And like, um, you know, cause er, going back to 2015, when I sold my, when I sold restaurant engine, I was looking for what, what's going to be my next business. 
And, and I was really considering a couple of different ideas, including a SaaS product idea. And I, and I almost did that, but it was like, but then I'm looking at at least a year just to build the thing. And then probably at least another year just to grow it to like 10 K MRR or something to make it like sustainable. Um, I, I didn't like the sound of like burning all the cash and, and having this high pressure runway date that I, that I might hit, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so instead I, I decided to build, to start audience ops, a productized service. And it grew in MRR. It it grew to like five X, even what restaurant engine did. It grew to that level in like two months, you know, like it just, it, the, the revenue with a productized service can grow so much faster, you know? Um, and, and, and the thing is you don't need it. You don't need to spend all the time building it. You could start selling it from day one. And I'm not talking about pre-sales. I'm talking about actually selling the service to paying customers now and start starting to deliver the service to them now, but you figure out the process along the way, you know? And like we spent the first year, like, hammering out the processes, but doing it with live paying customers, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love this topic. And I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds here because I think there's a really important lesson that can be applied. A lot of young entrepreneurs, and I just see, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, probably too much time. And so I talk to, <laughs> you know, and so I talk to a lot of kids, uh, Gen Z's, millennials looking at this space. They know that they want to build a business online. They're not really sure where to start. They're seeing success in these real scalable media companies and these product companies. And it's like, that's what I want to do. Right. But I'm thinking a lot about like where I want to take my work and my personal brand. And what I'm kind of leaning towards is something similar to you, where this agency doesn't have to be this 80 hour a week work engine where you're always dealing with clients. Like it can actually be an entity. It can be a media entity. It could be like a funding entity that you use to then build a software product off of your, your specialized knowledge, right? Build a side business that might sell affiliate revenue or sell courses or whatever the case may be. Build a software product in, in your case where the agency itself isn't just this Thing where you're constantly waking up working to the bone for it but it be if you can figure out how to remove yourself from it it becomes its own actual thing that you can use to build your other things which will eventually lead into like a portfolio of work like i said i know that's yeah. kind of like a little bit into the weeds but i think you and i are Dude, really in the same line uh, look i i think i think uh you're thinking about it the right way and for whoever's listening whether you intend to someday sell your business or not, whether you intend to even remove yourself, like, like let's say you love working in your agency and you don't want to do any other products aside from that. You want to grow a really big agency. Um, let's say if you, let's say you never even want to sell your business or you think you might never want to sell it. It's still a good idea to, to work on your business as if you need to remove yourself from the day-to-day processes. Mm. It's still better for your business to do that. Even if you want to stay focused on your business, it's still, it, it, it actually adds more value to your business yeah. when, it doesn't, when it doesn't rely on you to be the one delivering the services to, to clients. Um, 
it does make it more saleable if that ever needed, if you ever want to think about selling it, like the literally question number one that a potential buyer will want to vet out is like, how much does this business rely on the current owner? Because if I buy it and that owner walks away, is this whole thing going to fall apart? Like that's the number one risk in buying a business. Yep. Um, you know, but I actually also would argue that like, it's, it's even like for me, like I, I as a service provider, like, yeah, I, I like writing articles and I, and I like designing websites, but it, but I lost interest in actually designing and writing things for clients. Um, and so I, I, I talked to a lot of like creative, high skilled, high talent consultants who don't really want to let go of that responsibility of doing the creative work for clients. And they're a little bit scared off of the idea of like having to manage a team and, and be like this, quote unquote, business owner, when really they just want to stay creative, I would argue that actually working on the business at a higher level, like uh, solving business problems for your own business, whether it's processes, whether it's hiring, whether it's figuring out profitability, marketing, these are much harder problems to solve. And I found that it's actually um, a more creative, uh, more creatively you know, stimulating to, to work on, on, pro, on problems at that level than, than like an individual pixel that's not working on one client's website, you know, so. Completely agree from my own experience. I had a hard time letting go of, uh, I'm an SEO and I really grew all of my companies and, and made my money through like writing articles one at a time and just being super methodical about it. And over the course of six years, one day you wake up and you're just like, man, I've written like 3,000, 1,200 to 2,000 word articles, you know, like I'm think I'm kind of done with this, but there's still that thing in your heart where it's like part of your identity, you know, like I'm a designer, you know, like I'm a writer, I'm a photographer. And the E-Myth had a huge impact on me as well. Real huge impact. I, I recommend that book. You should read it like once a year, really, if you're serious about mm -hmm. growing a company as opposed to just doing work the creative stimul stimulation that I get from looking at things from a higher level, from just seeing weird problems, because there's no, the, the things that come up in running a business, you don't ever expect, like all of a sudden things just happen and you just look at it like, how the hell am I going to figure out how to do this? And I really, really love that challenge. And frankly, um, I find it a lot more fun than I ever imagined that I would. It's almost like a blessing and a curse too because it's like uh you know you're if you're focused on solving your own if you're focused on building your own business you start to realize at the end of the day like all this is is solving problem after problem after yeah. problem like first you got to figure out the problem to solve for customers if that's a product market fit and then and then it's like okay well how do we solve the marketing problem how do we solve the churn problem how do we solve the hiring and recruiting problem like it's one it's it, it's like it, your business starts out like nothing is optimal and then and then you're slowly like like whack-a-mole like like you know solving one problem after another and it's um and sometimes it's hard to focus it's hard to like step back and be like oh wow i built something that's actually working pretty well here with and and not get distracted by like all right what's wrong today what do we got to fix today you know <laughs> but it's uh you know that's that's the that's the battle absolutely and you have a lot of insight on that. So people that look at this and want to be entrepreneurs, they should seriously consider starting 
with a service business, using it to learn the skills, just like the dumb skills that you never think of, like invoicing, you know, like when do I start chasing clients for money? When, when do I know if I need to hire? How do I negotiate people with raises? Like all of that stuff is really fundamental and important. But again, just to reiterate, the agency itself, if you do it right, becomes a real asset that you can bring with you uh, in the future. So again, anybody listening, like seriously, don't rule out service businesses because you think they're like not cool from some dude on Twitter. Um, 100% man. I really, really second that advice because it's like it it solves so many problems early on for you. First of all, Mm -hmm. it's the fast is by far the fastest way to grow cash flow and you need cash to fund time to to learn and explore and it also you you become much better at sales by having oh, yeah. having selling to to clients and you will never regret getting better at sales That's, never yeah. um so yeah for sure the last thing that i did want to bring up was your your educational product as well you actually teach people how to go about building processes for their own business. I know that there's a lot there and I always get weird about these conversations because you don't want to give out like your stuff for free. Right. But if, if somebody came to you just saying like, give me a quick roadmap on how I can start implementing some of these things in my life right away, what is just the first step, the second step, the third step they can take. And then how can they find out to learn more about uh, productize and scale? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I mean, like the productized course, which I've been, uh, it's been out since 2014, but I've, I've rebuilt it a few times since then. Oh, yeah. um, and um, it basically covers uh, three sections. And I, I have free content on, on the same types of stuff, but it's, there's a little bit more structure in the course. But it, um, first, it really covers the value proposition, uh, forming that, that value proposition for, for a new productized service idea. Uh, but it also goes into like figuring out pricing and and talking to to your first customers and and getting that ball rolling. Um, the second section is uh, is all about processes and systems and how to how to design processes and SOPs, but also to how to start hiring and growing the team um, and automating things. Uh, and then uh, the third is a little bit on sales and marketing, um, not so much like how to how to do specific marketing tactics, but more like how to think about. Um, marketing and growth and, and especially the sales process, like going from co- uh, consultation to, uh, to, to new customer and all that. Um, but I, I think in a, in a nutshell, like what we already talked about a little bit is to start to think more in terms of a product. And that, that really does, um, you know, it, it comes down to figuring out a, a value proposition. And, and that really starts with figuring out your who, like who, who you want to sell to. You, you said that your agency is, is like focused on like health uh, professionals or health uh, organizations. Um, I mean, that's great. So like one, one way to think about that is that you could look through your past couple of years of consulting and see which client, which specific clients did I have a really great experience working with? Um, what are their char- characteristics that are in common? Um, and then you sort of like match that up with, other market research, like how, how many of these businesses are there in the world? Is it a growing market? Um, do I have access to, uh, to reach them? Um, and like, and, and I always recommend start where you already have some inroads, you know, um, 
and I actually made this mistake back when I was doing restaurant engine. I had zero inroads with restaurant owners, like no experience with, mm. with that market whatsoever. So it was really an, an uphill battle. It took much longer than it should have to, to grow that business because I didn't have the inroads. Fast forward to audience ops when I started that, I knew I wanted to start something in the world where I already had contacts. So I could literally send a warm email to 30 friends who run businesses like my target customer, or they know many more. And that resulted in the first five paying customers like within 30 days. So um, wherever you have contacts, whether it's past clients or you come from a job and you have some insider, that's the other thing is like having like some insider knowledge about a certain process or need in a business. If you've been working in a corporation and they've got a bunch of hacky like spreadsheets that do some crazy process, but it's a high value thing, only you really know about that. Yeah. It's, you know, um, and so that's something that can be potentially, you know, productized. Um, I, the other, the other exercise that I like to share a lot on, on podcasts and stuff is, um, so when you start to think about like, well, what should my productized service be? What should it do? What, what should we do for clients? I could go, sort of like a thought exercise is to go through like, what if, your dream client just came to you, knocked on your door, sent you an email and said, Hey, we've got this business problem. Um, we don't really know how to solve it. We know what we want to achieve. We know what our goal is and budget really isn't an issue for us. What do you, you seem like an expert in this area. Like, what do you think we should do? <laughs> like, which obviously almost never happens in an agency world or anything, but like, but it's a good ex experiment because you start to think, well, if, if I were to put together my ideal set of tasks and services and, and um, I, my solution to, to doing, like if I were doing this for my own business, here's what I would want it to include. This, 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 and this. And, and then you start to think about like, well, how, how can I deliver that and make it profitable? And, and which people would I need to hire to, to deliver certain roles? Um, and then that, that's your opportunity to design the best possible solution to the problem that you know really well. You don't have to care about what the client wants or doesn't want. Yeah. Just focus on solving their problem in the best way that you know how. Um, and that might, that might include a, a combination of 10 different things all packaged together or just doing like one thing really well. Like, you know, um, that, that's just a good way to start because then it's like something that you can put on a page and show it to a potential client and say like, what do you, what do you think about this? You know? And, and then it's an iteration from there that you'll get questions back. You'll, you'll understand like what resonates, what doesn't resonate, what's, what's missing and you can make adjustments. So cool. Great thought exercise. The thing I love about that as well is that the more specific you get with what your particular problem is that you're trying to solve, you get away from being generic and that's the death of agencies. That's the death of service work, right? Like, yeah, sure. I do a little web design. I do a little social media, whatever you need, I'll help you out. And the only way to differentiate yourself when you're generic like that is to be cheaper. And there's just the, there's the old saying, it's just a race to the bottom. And most likely you'll come in second place, which is the worst place to be, you know? And so mm -hmm. the more specific you get, then the more you can be an expert in a particular thing, whereas people come to you and then you get to make the rules. Great thought exercise. I, I really, really love that. And, uh, and I, I love everything that you stand for, man. I really mean it. I've been a fan of your work for a couple of years and I think it's really cool what you're doing. Thank you so much.
I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for anyone doing this type of work, it, it does help to do it in public because, I mean, why else are we on Twitter, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because like when you, and, and I, I think a strong driver for me, I'm sure for you and, and everyone listening to this is like, the reason why we work at home and do, and do these kind of work is to, is to be able to love what we actually do every day. Yeah. I mean, sure, sure, we want to make money and build a business, but it's, it's, to me, it's much more about like, if I'm not enjoying my work and, and enjoying the people I work with, it's, I, could, I could go get a higher paying job at some, some place. I, you know? um, it's, it's much more uh, enjoyable to actually love the craft of what you do. And, and the great thing about our industry is how much people share publicly. I mean, I, I, I learned so much from listening to podcasts and following people and talking to, to people at conferences. The more that you share, it, it just makes everyone better. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time. There's, there's a lot of different links to your products and, um, and your companies. I'll list them all in the show notes. I think the important ones are just briancassell.com and then B Cassell on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, it's actually cast jam on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so I was totally wrong. It's, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's random. It's my, uh, my screen name from when I was 13 on, on AOL Instant nice. Messenger. Still, AOL. still my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, fantastic. Like I said, um, show notes on the iTunes link, the Spotify link. I'll also have it written up on timstods.com. Uh, Brian, it was really great talking to you. Thank you so much. Keep in touch. Yeah, thanks, Tim. This was fun. All right, brother. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.